Hey folks, welcome to CTF Radio. I'm Adam D and I have with me Zardis. Zardis, you want to say hi? Hello everybody. And uh, we have a very fun episode today. So what are we going to be what are we going to be talking about and who are going to be who are we going to be talking about it with, Jan? We're going to be talking about one of the kind of most formidable forces in Capture the Flag and we're going to be talking about that with that very formidable force in Capture the Flag. So we're not just course, talk, we're, uh, t- uh, talking behind people's backs. We're actually talking, you know, directly. <laughs> exactly. And we'll be talking, let's go on the street and see what the population thinks. Yeah, we're talking about people, not just forces, yeah. right? We're not talking about ROP. Yeah. We're not talking about ASLR. We're talking about uh, people. Yeah. And, and in fact, these uh, people, you might say, form a parliament. Um, and that is the Flad Parliament of Poning. Actually, fun fact. For the first uh, maybe six or seven years of their existence, I couldn't pronounce plaid properly. I always said plaid. Oh, I remember uh, <laughs> that. That we used to make fun of you at UCSB yeah. for that. <laughs> I, 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 like, I don't know. How, how are you supposed to know that's how you pronounce that word? Because it's a word. It's a word that means things, man. That's how you know how to pronounce it. <laughs> Words. How do they even work? I don't know. A, a common uh, delusion, I guess. We all say that it that's how you say something. So Exactly. Yeah, so without further yes. ado, we have uh, four people from PPP with us. I'm going to let them uh, introduce themselves and tell you kind of uh, where they fit into the PPP story very briefly. And I'll also ask them like we I'll do... We'll dig in further. Of exactly, yes. And we'll dig yeah. in way you know deep into there. And we'll also ask them how they got into to CTFs because I think that's something that definitely people out there uh, really appreciate hearing about the different ways and different stories that... Uh, that people get in. So Tyler, you want to kick us off? Sure. Uh, hi, I'm Tyler. Hey. Uh, so, um, so I uh, joined PPP uh, basically in the beginning, so in uh, the fall of 2009, I guess. Um, and yeah, um, I don't know, I got into CTFs because uh, I'm trying to think of the whole thing, but the, the short thing was that a uh, uh, one of the other people who was kind of, oh, fuck, no, I got to back up. All right. So the, uh, when the CTF team formed, uh, Brian Pack was the kind of the original founder. Mm-hmm. And one of his good friends was Andrew Vesey. And I knew Andrew a little bit through another club on campus that did computer stuff. And uh, he knew that I did like computers and I did like lock picking. And he's like, yeah, he's probably someone who'd be interested <laughs> in this. And then he's like, well, we need a bunch of people to play in Seesaw because we need undergrads, so you should join our team. And I was like, yeah, sure. Um, awesome. So your first uh, yeah. CTF then was Seesaw? Do you remember? So what year was it? It would have been Seesaw 2009. Wow, awesome. That's Very cool. Yeah, that, that's actually, uh, I wonder if the Seesaw people know that. They were kind of the uh, sparks. So, yeah, I mean, so PPP played in, I think, two C- one or two CTFs before that, mm-hmm. um, some random... Korean CTFs, but um, that was my first one. Awesome. So who's next chronologically? Maybe we'll go that way. Tim. Probably me. Yeah, so uh, I'm Tim. I was probably the the fourth or fifth, I can't remember the count, um, like captain of PPP. Um, But I think most notably for this conversation, I was part of the first batch of people that came in from playing Pico CTF. So I was one of the like high school CTF recruits. Um, so yeah, I think we'll probably talk more about that later. Yeah, you got to hook them while they're young, right? 
<laughs> That's awesome. And so what, yeah, do you remember, so your first CTF was like Pico CTF? Do you know r- roughly what year? Uh, 2013, okay. yeah, the first Pico CTF. Cool. Yep. Who's, uh, who's next chronologically? They're both the same time. I think about They're the same exactly time. The same. Yeah. Yeah, sure. All right, so Jay, yeah. since you've already been on, why don't you go first? So this is actually the first time we've had uh, a guest back, sure. so we're happy to have you back, Jay. Yep, I was on episode five, I believe. Uh, so, yep, uh, I joined PPP in 2016 uh, when I was interning at CMU. Then I like officially joined and became part of the team uh, in 2017 when I joined as a PhD student at CMU. But I've been playing CTS for a while longer than that. Uh, uh, starting off a team in India, and you know rose up the ranks to be the top team in India, and then looked, where do I go next? And of course, there's PPP. Uh, I was like, yeah, I got to be there. And here I am. Uh, So uh, as far as the conversation here goes, uh, Sam and I were co-captains for a year. And yep, currently uh, I'm the captain. Cool. Look at him. He's the captain now. I've been waiting to do that for a while. (laughs) Get that out of the way, and then we can continue. Cool. So, Sam, what about you? Uh, Yeah, I'm Sam. Uh, I joined PPP uh, in 2017 during my undergrad. Uh, I guess, like, the single biggest thing, like, that got me into CTFs was EcoCTF. Uh, but I was already, like, generally interested in that area from, like, war games, like, little challenge websites, like Hacker.org. Oh, so, yeah, Hacker.org. Yeah. That was a fun one. Hacker.org. Interesting. What a great yeah, I've never, never heard of it. It's, like, not... I believe their registration process involves you writing a script to attack a game before you can even register. Nice. Or something. So that's their captcha. <laughs> oh, and a formidable one it is. That's great. I think that means you're not a real hacker, Jan. Uh, yeah, I guess. But to revoke your hacker card. Never you can turn it in at the end of Damn. the episode. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that's great. Okay, yeah, thanks, everyone. Really appreciate that. So then, uh, then maybe first I think we can start at the beginning. So, Tyler, you talked about it a little bit. So, you know, what was – so you mentioned – so kind of – what was PVP at the very beginning? Uh, you said mentioned uh, Brian had a hand in starting that. What was kind of their goal? Did yeah. they were they starting a big thing? Was it just among friends? So I think the main thing. So uh, uh, basically, in the beginning, there was uh, <laughs> um, uh, so Brian Pack was uh, 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 doing research with David Brumley at CMU, um, and he. Well, so also back in the day, so CTS has changed a lot, but back in 2009, uh, like I would say like a third of the CTFs were Korean um, and it was just much more popular there. So Brian was like, oh, uh, he's uh, Korean. So he's like, oh, I want to play in these CTFs. Uh, I should join like some Korean CTF team. And they had like, they'd have like tryouts or something. I don't know how it works, whatever. and then he was, you know, there are uh, several other Korean PhD students in the research group. And he's like, oh, well, you know, maybe we should all, like, try to join one of these CTF teams or something. And they're like, you know, oh, let's see what, like, other people think. And then David Brumman was like, you know, I'll join another team, start one here, or something like that. I don't know. This is this is partially lore because I wasn't. Hey, lore is the just, best. You know, lore and legend week, are the best idea. Yeah. before I came there. So, um, 
but yeah, so uh, so they formed uh, a team. Uh, plaid is the school color for CMU, even though it's not exactly a color; it's a pattern. Yeah, I, I was going to ask that like next, a... but I'm glad you addressed that right away. Jan clearly yeah, didn't know, know that he's partly colorblind, so maybe he <laughs> thought it was a color he just couldn't see. So I don't know. Yeah, um, and then I don't know why why Parliament opponent, but alliteration is good. So. Um, yeah, so the uh, first couple CTFs were like some Korean CTFs um, and did pretty well on them. And then, yeah, I joined either either we played in a Korean CTF or the first one was uh, CISA, I don't quite remember. But um, yeah, so it was mostly uh, a bunch of people from like David Romley's research group, so a lot of PhD students and stuff at first, and then um, kind of some undergrads to play Seesaw and then just, uh, you know, Awesome. So then size-wise, what, what was it like when you joined? Was it like, you know, five people, ten people? Probably like six-ish people. There were like, so like, uh, yeah, so me, Brian, Andrew, um, another um, another undergrad, David Colbrenner, and then some folks in the research group, uh, Senkil, um, Junghyun, Sok. Uh, that's swear. okay it's explicit it's so it's fine explicit. you can edit it out oh okay um but yeah but i'll like forget people and then it could be awkward oh, no, uh, it's... ivan <laughs> jiong that's eight people that's about all i can okay that sounds about right so um actually and maybe it's a topic for later but uh, i see a lot of these groups start up right a lot of people email me like hey we're starting a, a group in our you know research lab in our uh, undergraduate club, and then um, they go for a couple of weeks, they get torn up in a couple of CTFs, and then it kind of fizzles out, right? So that in- initial spark needs timber. Um, is that the term? I don't know. Uh, Close enough, that works. But yeah, anyways, uh, like you guys played Seesaw. Did you do like incredibly? Uh, yeah, we did pretty well. Um... <laughs> that probably helps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's always been part of, uh, I mean, it's tough because, like, a lot of people ask us, you know, like, oh, how do you, like, train all your people to be good? And, you know, I think I think certainly people get better when they join BPP, but it's, like, most of the people who were already going to study computer mm-hmm. science at CMU and knew they were interested in security, it's, like, already kind of self-selected a bunch. Right. Um, so we've had a lot of benefits there. So then what was your experience like, Tyler? So you came from this, like, lock-picking and computers background. So, like, how did that translate? Yeah, I mean, I, I like, like, I, I computer security was something I was interested in before. Um, and, like, you know, I thought, like, being a hacker would be cool. But I I think, like, a lot of people, especially, again, I mean, this is, God, so long ago, you know, over uh, 10 years ago now, it's, like, especially then, you know, people don't wouldn't think of... Uh, computer security and hacking is like a legitimate field. So I kind of just like stopped thinking about that. Um, and yeah, so like I, I had done not quite war game stuff, but probably like, like hack this site.org or something. Like I installed, I had soft ice installed on my computer and didn't know how to use it, but I installed it and used the hotkey a couple times. Um, I was about at that level before, like in high school and whatnot. And then it's like, you know, I, I kind of dabbled, but. Yeah, I think soft ice has been a nice tool for a whole bunch of people around that time period to just get started, you know, like a whole bunch of people who did game hacking around then 
because uh, soft ice was the recommended tool in like a bunch of tutorials that you could find online. Mm. So that's that's one of the other ways I got started with assembly-ish stuff around then. Uh, Hacker site and soft ice and TMK, Cheat Engine, a bunch of these things. Cool. Yeah, that's uh, that's fascinating. Yeah, it's interesting to think about, you know, how like the distinct lack of resources, I think, to a lot of this stuff that, like, especially compared to like what's out there now. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> the uh, kind of theme there of um, it's easier to or a good position to start a CTF team in. Or maintain a CTF team, maybe when you everyone coming in is already uh, essentially ready to be dropped into CTF, right? And I think it's a a theme that my guess as we continue kind of exploring origins of um, these kind of top groups and, and so forth is going to stay pretty constant, right? Um, you know, shellfish with their their graduate student recruitment, right? And obviously, graduate students in security probably are. Are, are pretty uh, up to speed as well. Um, or, or like you said, you know, your uh, group of, your recruitment pool is undergrads at, computer science undergrads at one of the top computer science schools in the world, right? That are already interested in security. So, you know, um, probably RPI is something similar, um, you know, reasoning. It, I, I wonder if there's, maybe this is a little bit of a tangent, we can cover it later. Like, I wonder if there's, some route, um, you know, for, let's say, I mean, I don't know, random university in, you know, somewhere remote that's not like a, a, a top, top university. You know, how did they create a CTF team that, that kind of maintains itself? You know, is it... Uh, or maybe in the context maybe of this, a, Jan, maybe we can try to get some understanding of how... PVP was able to maintain, let's say, beyond the cycle yeah. of an undergrad or a PhD career, roughly. And maybe that's a good transition also to kind of the second generation. How many generations of PVP would you consider there have been, been now? Probably so like four. Four generations, four. yeah. Yeah, that seems about right. Just a, you know, ten-ish years, probably three-ish years per generation, maybe. Yeah, so like... Yeah, that sounds like numbers, so... First generation, maybe you lucked out, right? You had, you know, awesome uh, kind of ready-made hackers. You tackled Seesaw, you did great, and that, you know, gave you the wind in your sails to kind of keep pushing forward. Um, you know, maybe let's talk about generation two. Yeah, so that's actually still a little before my time, I guess. So, yeah, I was going to say. Well, I can I can probably lead up to it. I mean, you're so... Yeah. I just want to talk for all of us, but yeah, anyway, so... Uh, yeah, so I think um, we we actually had a lot of trouble at the beginning. It's like you know, we had kind of these group of people who kind of self-assembled because we all knew each other, so it was pretty easy because you know we kind of work together and know we, everyone's kind of pretty good at what they do mm -hmm. and whatnot. Um, and then as we started playing more, uh, we we're like, okay, well, we should get more people. We should kind of build up a bigger team. And then you know, when people graduate, we want to keep this going. Um, and Recruiting people was actually really hard, especially, you know, back then, you know, it's like, they're like, well, what do you guys do? And we're like, oh, we like hack some stuff. And they're like, that's cool, I guess. And then they go do like join some other club or something. Um, and, uh, you know, I think we did 
like in 2010, I think we had like our first international trip or something in the, the spring semester or whatever. But, um, you know, it wasn't like, it's not like, you know, join us and you'll go to all these cool things. It's just kind of like join us. And sometimes we sit around in this room uh, for like 48 hours and sit on the computer. Yeah. How would you like to um, spend all weekend uh, around a bunch of people staring at a computer screen eating pizza? It's great. Yeah. So we got a couple people from like, uh, it was like people who knew like, you know, roommates or like, you know, oh, this person's in my class that deals with security stuff. Um, so we got a few people through that. Um, I don't even remember. It's so like the next, the next group of people who was, um, uh, so after Brian graduated, um, I was the next captain. Uh, he was doing like a, a master's for one year. So like we overlapped a little bit um, for the first transition that we had. Um, and then after I left, there was uh, two other undergrads. And I have no idea how we got them. I actually don't remember where uh, Brian and Max came from. But we showed up um, one day on your doorstep. And... <laughs> yeah, basically. So, you know, we, it's kind of weird. We get a lot of people like that where it's like, um, like another good example of that would be like Robert Yao, who's the, mm -hmm. is a, he was like an HCI PhD student right. and like, he just kind of showed up and actually the first time he showed up, it was like a terrible CTF. Well, it wasn't a terrible CTF, but there were some terrible problems in the CTF. And then he was like, this is ridiculous. I'm never doing this again. It was like a stego problem that no one could solve. And then uh, anyway, so he just like, didn't show up again for two years and then he showed back up again and it was just like. But yeah, it was like, where, where did this guy come from? And we kind of get a lot of people like that where it's like very lucky. Um, but yeah, and then after that generation, then I, or that set of captains, then I think Tim was the next, yeah. the next one. So I think it was probably in your senior year of undergrad that PICO CTF was organized. So I don't know too much about the origin of PICO, but I don't know. Do we want to talk about that first or... Should I just jump in? That's it. Just jump yeah, in. Yeah, go ahead. Can, can All right. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I was at that time in my junior year of high school. And, um, you know, I had kind of like Tyler always been like interested in computers in like, you know, I, I like knew how to program in like Java. I think maybe a little bit of Python. I don't remember. But like, I wasn't truly that passionate about it. And I actually thought I was going to go to school for physics or something. Um, but then one of my friends approached me and was like, there's this like hacking competition for high schoolers that's, you know, being run by CMU. And I, I'm from like the Pittsburgh area. So um, somehow my computer science teacher in high school heard about this and um, suggested it to us. So, um, yeah, I guess it was me and two high school friends made a team for this. And um, leading up to it, I guess I learned like almost everything that you needed to get started in Pico, which isn't much, right? But is like, I learned like how to install Linux and like how to like use like basic command line things. And um, I realized like the week leading up to the CTF that it was really fun. And I was like getting really excited for the CTF. And so when the, the day hit and the competition started, like we were like all gung-ho and like ready to get started. Um, and to our surprise, by the end of the first night, we were like in the top five teams of the day. Nice. And so we, you know, we weren't expecting to like do super well or anything. We kind of like were impressed at, at how well we were doing. And I think that just further motivated us to like, you know, 
stick with it. And so I basically like played hooky all week from school, but kind of just like ignored assignments, you know, which I don't think you're supposed to do, but I was just really excited about CTF. Yeah, um, I, I think as professors, we can't condone that behavior, but, but I, as I, students, I have I done think, it. And, exactly. Yeah, exactly. We can say we've definitely both done that where you just like, and that's one of the things I think I love about, you know, CTF and security challenges is like getting sucked in and feeling that just like, like I've got to solve this. Right. Which is yeah, amazing. Yeah. Right. And I had always been like somewhat like competitive style of person. Like I really like playing in competitions. I really like, like trying my best to try to win something. Uh, and so, you know, it was a long week, but by the end we just barely finished all the problems and got third place, which was like the, um, the cutoff for prizes. Um, and then really like the, the thing that changed everything, I think was because we were a local team, um, we were able to, like the PPP invited us to like come meet them and like kind of like, you know, try to recruit us a little bit and it worked. And, like, <laughs> I knew that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go to CMU and play CTFs. So yeah, that happened. That's amazing. So slight aside and okay, not to answer, but what did your parents think about you spending like a week straight hacking stuff on your computer? Were they like worried <laughs> or were they happy? Like, <laughs> That's a good question. I, I I don't remember too much, but I think they were mostly pretty supportive. Um, yeah, it, I I don't remember too much resistance okay. there. That's cool. Yeah, that's. I was just yeah. wondering, as a parent, being like, well, I guess it's good, but it's not school, but it's still good. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think because it was run by CMU, it was kind of like you know, well respected. So I think that that carried a little bit of credibility they with like it. Laundered it like that, that concept. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was one of the right. sketchy Korean CTFs that I was talking about. <laughs> Wait, is it? Yeah. That's that's cool. Um, the Out of curiosity, the two teams above you, was that uh, TJHS and, and uh, uh, Dos Pueblos? Yes, it was, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh yeah, uh, cool. Um, we had a, actually completely unrelated to PvP, I guess. We had the uh, a similar ish thing with the those pueblos uh, kids. They showed up at our hack meeting, and Adam gave them an incredible presentation. Oh I think man, talked it was about so it embarrassing. Yeah, I'll, I'll briefly mention it, but basically, I wrote this. <laughs> it turned it into a blog post that was like how to prepare for Pico CTF, and I'm sitting there lecturing to these high schoolers that had like got here because of like somebody in the IT department knew them, their parents or something. And so we're like, yeah, have them come. And I'll, I'm like, yeah, this Pico thing's coming up. Here's some tools you need to know. And then I get to the end and they were like already talking about how they were writing Python modules and all this stuff. And I could tell from the questions they asked that like they already knew all this stuff. And so at a certain point, I'm just like, huh, okay. Like there's not much I can do here. <laughs> I think I'm one of those kids at that point had you know, modded Super Mario Brothers into a two-player game and, like, you know, it's crazy. Insanity. Insanity. I thought we were getting, like, complete uh, noobs that I could just, like, you know, show the basics and let them go and just, like, they're, like... They were very polite, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it definitely helps. Uh, I, I think Pico CTF was a, a brilliant concept in mm -hmm. that regard, right? Because when you're young, I mean, you, you get... I was hooked just on the concept of DEF CON, Right, and just being able to show up, and 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 it's a celebration of hacking for a weekend, but having a celebration of like this, like 
you know, actual very specific uh, skills and, 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 and techniques and iterations of that on, and practice. Um, so then maybe this is a good time to uh, maybe stop a little bit and ask you guys what you feel like how what is the role of the captain in PPP and has that changed or evolved over time? Do you have defined, I don't know, roles or those type of things? We kind of do. I mean, it's 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 not really like a whole lot of responsibility, I would say. Like we kind of have like a treasurer, just kind of like the person to go to about, you know, like organizing travel or refunds for travel and stuff like that. And then we have like the captain who's the person at CMU that is like running the, the meetings and like organizing any like on campus events. Um, but other than that, there's not a whole lot to the organization, I'd say. I see. So you don't have any roles like, oh, go ahead, Jay. Sorry. Yeah. Overall, we're a very like, uh, you know, partially disorganized bunch of people, uh, <laughs> which, which seems to work out well. I mean, with the sizes that we're looking at, essentially, like, it's a group of us who together decide, you know, okay, this makes sense. Let's, let's talk about this, or, you know, let's, let's discuss this. Let's work on this CTF. Uh, you know, the, the captain's role overall is just, uh, if need be to be the point of contact for things, like, let's say there's a new student who came in, and they don't know who to ask about something or you know they're not sure if they should ask something you know publicly on our main channel on slack uh you know the captain would be the person they would just ping directly it, it just simplifies and reduces the amount of effort it takes for someone to you know communicate to, to bring things up also as far as organizing meetings uh the uh like sure the captains end up saying you know let's let's have a meeting and you know, they, they make sure things happen, but uh, the topics for the meetings and so on vary quite a bit. And, uh, you know, pretty much all the members do have a pretty good say there. So. That's awesome. Yeah, semi-organized is how I'd call it now. Oh, that's great. And I think that's something that's super interesting for people to, you know, kind of learn and understand as we uh, get to know more CTF scenes and get to see kind of behind the curtains, right? Because... I think there's, we've all heard of, you know, let's say very different and varied approaches where people have well-defined roles of what they do versus kind of this more uh, free-spirited, maybe more academic style of. Yeah. And, and, and it's very easy to, um, uh, for kind of not necessarily misinformation, it's not that serious, but misconceptions could also not that serious to arise. Um, people see, okay, PPP is rocking, you know, CTF after CTF. They must have a super organized structure, right? Um, and there were rumors floating around, like even when, you know, uh, I was playing and you guys were playing. And, you know, it's like, yeah, in, in PPP, if you don't, you know, get first blood after four CTFs, they just like kill you. Right? Or something like that, right? Like, I, well, that, that's true, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Tyler, is that a shovel behind check. you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, no, I, I think, like, uh, yeah, I, I'm always kind of surprised by how it kind of magically works out for our team, where we're, like, you know, it'll be, like, some people are graduating and we're, like, oh, no, like, what are we going to do? Mm -hmm. We don't have anyone left. 
And then just some more people kind of show up and we're like, oh, you know, this will be fine. And then they end up running things and then it all works out magically for the most yeah. part. Cool. Do you have smooth uh, transitions of power between captains or is it like a political struggle every time? Is apropos of nothing? It's so we we basically have a we they're not elected they're appointed um in a very unofficial kind of ad hoc way it's just like mm -hmm. someone's graduating like uh you should be captain now because that makes sense and then like okay and then yeah i think fortunately it's always <laughs> kind of been an obvious choice like i don't think there was ever really a, a time where there were like you know, a lot of choices for like who to transition to captain next. And like a lot of times, like there were co-captains because there were two obvious choices and like they both wanted to be equally involved. So that was fine. Um, so yeah, so far it's, I think it's been just kind of an obvious choice. So another takeaway here is, uh, you know, you get awesome people in and then you just let them do their own thing. Right. Um, you don't necessarily, I don't know. Do you guys, uh, say, okay, we need a new web guy. You learn web or is it just naturally arises? Yeah. Yeah. This is actually, I think this is good information to have out there because, um, <laughs> definitely people have different in impressions. Yeah. I, I think the whole nature of bars, a vacuum type of thing happens. Like mm -hmm. if there isn't someone who's good at web, uh, Somehow we're not solving many web challenges. And so someone's like, oh, look, I can try out these ones because like, you know, I've looked at some web things and then they try it out and then they're like, oh, I actually like this. And then, you know, now they're the web person. Right. Back in the day, so, like, uh, I can definitely I understand that that phenomenon back in the day um, when when I was still playing very regularly, Shellfish was um, probably famous for not solving any webs. So Mike Pizza and I decided to fill the vacuum one CTF. We spent 24 hours on a web 100 and failed. So, but we almost got there. I think if we had another 24 hours, we would have solved it. I mean, I think a lot of it also is, especially as our team, I don't know, I, I don't know. It's hard to say that we grow at this point. We probably kind of just stay roughly the same size, but kind of grow. Um, you know, a CTF happens. And if you are trying to solve like trying to break into reversing or exploitation and you're not already really good, you're just going to get sniped and someone else is going to solve the problem. And so mm -hmm. you probably just kind of decide to do something else, <laughs> uh, yeah. which is not great. Uh, we should work on that. But Yeah, I, I think this occurred in uh, the shellfish world a, a little bit, not to, you know, that's probably a topic for a different uh, podcast, but I've definitely seen that happen and people get discouraged. And then, you know, you end up with just like, Really old farts are the only ones that, that know. Yeah, the... who wants to learn revis reversing when you have a fish who just like. Yeah, exactly. And he just looks at it and. That's great. He becomes a professor, has less time, yeah. and now you actually have others. And I think that's exactly yeah. right because it can be super demoralizing to just be like, you know, if you're, yeah. you come to the CTF and all of the easy ones are solved, it's just. Yeah. These days we try mm. to, like, especially, especially when CTFs are nice and have a, like a, a baby's first or at least like like a distinguished intro category will normally try to like not solve those unless you're a new person um, or just encourage people who, who uh, come in to solve stuff, even if it's already been solved just so they can like, you know, go through stuff. 
Yeah, it definitely, like, I think that is one challenge with getting new people into CTF is, like, you want to make it a fun cooperative experience that they're playing with people and, like, they're learning kind of how CTS work and learning, like, tricks. But you don't want to, like, snipe every problem from them. Like, you want to give them that thrill of solving the problem for the first time because I think that's really what's so addicting about CTF. So it's a tough balance to strike, I think. And do you have any, have you guys tried any or experimented with different strategies for that? Like having a uh, PVP light team that uh, maybe the new people are a part of that goes and competes? I, I think the only time we've organized something like that is for Seesaw because the they kind of actually required individual right. teams. Um, so I think other than that, I can't remember us like splitting teams up like that. Okay, yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah, otherwise it's the team playing together. Uh, as far as solving the easier challenges goes, uh, there are times where, like, we decide, okay, we're we're, we're not going to win the CTF like upfront before the CTF starts, and we're going to use this purely as a learning experience thing, and do a few live solves. You know, like put up a, uh, you know projector and there's one person who's solving one challenge and you know people are just screaming across the room uh it's difficult to do these days because of the right. uh, you know virtual nature of things but uh it it works surprisingly well when uh, you know we were in person uh and like people who want to solve their own challenges they'd you know be on their laptop solving stuff but uh have you tried otherwise this it with newcomers with a Discord's um, video and screen sharing in a voice channel. I, I've seen some people doing this, and it seems to work fairly well. I think the first time we, we really went in on Discord and a little bit of screen sharing was actually this year's DEF CON. So oh, interesting. It, it worked pretty well, yeah. I think uh, was also, uh, I think some of our, uh, like the current generation of folks uh, use Discord a lot more. Yeah. So, and you know, we used to be on IRC and then moved to Slack, and then it's kind of split right now between Slack and Discord. Where that's the cycle uh, of life. Yeah, 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 that's like exactly. I think everyone is undergoing this this exact same trajectory. Some people, the really crazy people, had a mattermost step or something that you know. Yeah. Well, there are a couple like, yeah, there are a few of the like. Google Wave uh, and the similar clones that everyone was trying to use, uh, like when that was the thing. Yeah, I'm but, old enough to remember that. And Jan used to back in the day make you know a Google doc, like a master Google Doc that had yeah. links to all the other With Google links. Docs oh. for each category and that challenge. So that work. would, uh, <laughs> and this is stuff he'd set up beforehand, and that's how we'd kind of collaborate. But yeah, I think that's a brilliant idea in the sense of trying to. Like one of the things that's so important about CTFs is being able to transmit knowledge to the people that you're working with, right? And so approaching a CTF with the explicit goal of, hey, let's approach this as a learning opportunity, I think is a, a super interesting thing that people should definitely think about. Yeah. Yeah. I think Seesaw was always the best opportunity for um, people to kind of like grow and like improve at CTF because it was like we would create separate teams and we would all try to qualify, you know. And then because we all had worked on the problems individually, like after the CTF, there was a whole lot of like valuable learning time there to like share, you know, what you learned and like how you solved the problems. And yeah, that was always my favorite thing. That's cool. So then as, so I, and I think the, the interesting thing that you mentioned earlier, Tyler, is you mentioned that you have 
kind of been you 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 said that size stays roughly the same, which means kind of some people are leaving, but new people are basically joining. So do you have a core? I mean, obviously you're clearly one of those people. Brian's probably one of those people, right? That's like the core OGs of PPP. How, <laughs> how do you may, be active in CTFs for that long of time? <laughs> and part of his, I'm going to say, I mean, I'm, Kind of don't so much. Uh, <laughs> these days, I'm definitely a lot less active. You know, like I previously would play like every every CTF, uh, and these days it's probably like a few a year. Like you know, play DefCon and like Codegate mm-hmm. or whatever, and like a couple others if I have time. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think part of it's good though because like we have a lot of our new members who are excited and they'll form like a small team and play in a CTF. Um, and it's kind of funny because sometimes like, you know, on our Slack, they'll just like post in like the general chain. I'm like, oh, we got like third place in the CTF. And everyone's like, I didn't know we were playing that CTF. And they're like, well, we were. And we're like, all right, like, good job. It's great. Um, and it's just kind of funny because it's like no one even thought about that. Um, but uh, yeah, and then, you know, we have... Uh, yeah, like the kind of like all the all the previous people who are captains kind of stay as just, I mean, it's kind of stay on as like Captain Emeritus, whatever cabal member things. Yeah, it's just uh, what I was gonna say. Took the then, words right out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and then you know, like especially when we have like things like you know deciding like setting up stuff for DefCon. Uh, when it's in person and whatnot, you know, you got to like figure out who's going to travel there and everything. It's kind of a, a hard decision. And at this point it's kind of like a group decision from the, like all the people who have ever been captains, plus a few other people who, you know, kind of would have been captain if it made sense to have like four co-captains at a time. Right. Um, stuff like that. That's cool. So do you have any, I don't know, tips or thoughts on how to keep people engaged as they leave? I mean, is it, it and maybe, is there anything you've noticed? Is it people who stay in the area so that they could still play in person? I mean, personally, I've tried to play one CTF while I was at Microsoft after I graduated from UCSB, and it was so painful. Like, just working by yourself when everyone else is in a room is just difficult. Uh, I was just going to say, just on that mm-hmm. last point, I think Discord has helped a lot with yeah. that. Like, personally, after moving away from CMU, I kind of like was in a CTF slump for a while because it's yeah, it's like you said, it's kind of harder to play when you're alone. But being able to be in voice chat with people and talking about the problems really kind of, you know, reminded me of when I was on campus. Yeah, same kind of thing. Like Discord is what we use to organize even preparing Plaid CTF, you know, making the challenges. Even if each of us are working on our own challenges, just having everyone online to, you know, rant to, if nothing else, uh, is super helpful. Yeah, I, mean, I think the other thing is just as a whole, like, I guess our main strategy for kind of keeping people is that we're in a lot of ways, I'd consider us like a social club. You know, most of the, like, we're all pretty good friends. Uh, you know, like we'd hang out if there wasn't CTF stuff going on and we, you know, do that, which is part of why, you know, we'll still kind of keep checking in and playing because it's, you know, we're like, oh, like they're playing or like we'll meet up together and, get food uh, and play. So like we kind of have 
these days is like a couple groups. So there's like a group in the uh, like San Francisco Bay Area. There's a group at CMU. Um, there's some folks in New York. I don't know if you all play together. Fair enough. I think that's, <laughs> but that's a good point, right? You're kind of, in some sense, creating satellite PPP uh, clusters, right? So that those people can stick together. And yeah, I think that's a great point. Like, you know, and maybe something that occurs naturally over time, but you're spending so much time around all these people working on the same things and working under stressful situations. So I'm sure lots of friendship and insanity exactly ensues. And maintains the bond, right? I think that that's what I, my guess is that's why uh, teams tend to fall apart after graduating and so forth is, you know, there isn't quite that bond and, Maybe now it's it's easier with Discord and people not being able to meet very frequently anyways. So Yeah, it's it's interesting. The the really interesting thing well actually, um maybe this is a good time to transition to the third generation sure. or fourth generation of, of uh PvP in, in the sense of I guess at this point you've been um active for a couple of years, you've probably won DEF CON at this point, you have uh continued to kind of dominate the scene and and now you have people graduating and and kind of uh going out when's like the first time that a a ppp uh player went inactive right that's got to be like a a sort of a sad sort of um that's pretty soon honestly (laughs) yeah about a core core person yeah i mean you know it's kind of a no true Scotsman thing. Like if they're a core person, they would have never gone. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Um, but um, I, I think the, uh, so the same year that like Brian and Andrew graduated from undergrad, there were a couple other people who were um, pretty corks. Like they were kind of friends with them and stuff. Um, and, you know, some of them, okay. They you know, peaced out and that's, the last we heard from them and that's you know it's kind of understandable and everything um and there are people who like we kind of expected would have returned um but they didn't and yeah uh but i think in general i mean part of it is also i think these days we, we have a better feeling for kind of who uh is going to stick around and that's part of how we you know how we're able to like pick captains and whatnot it's kind of like who is the sort of person who's going to keep doing this for eternity. <laughs> nice, nice. At least. At least, yeah. <laughs> Maybe a little faster. Cool. Yeah, and then, but what about, like, so, Tim, you're in the third generation, and then, I guess, Brian, uh, Jay and Sam, you're in the uh, fourth generation, essentially, of PvP, right? Uh, Roughly. Yeah, so... Yep. Sam, did you like your experience starting, let's say, or, or, or Tim, you, you started when Tyler was still at CMU, right? Uh, no, I played in Pico when he was at CMU, okay. but I think he graduated before I came to CMU. So what was that like? I mean, joining a, a sort of um, team with whose beginning you, you haven't even seen, right? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I guess it... I don't know. Like it was kind of interesting because you would hear names thrown around a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of like I met Tyler already, but I didn't meet everyone in PPP. And so like I would hear the name Brian or Andrew or uh, Ricky or like you know these like 
hacking gods I would hear about all the time that like started um, PPP. And uh, it took like, you know, until we organized Plaid CTF or like we went to DEF CON in person for me to actually meet them and realize why they had the reputation they did. Um, so yeah, it was interesting. Cool. And Sam, what, what, what do I do? Because I mean, and, and I guess, Jay, you, you did an internship during maybe the third generation and joined them the fourth generation, right? Uh, I mean, generations are kind of sure, fuzzy, yeah. but... Yeah, they're fuzzy. Uh, yeah, so when I did my internship, there was practically no one from PVP still in Pittsburgh. So wow, okay. There were like... Because uh, everyone's off for their internships. Or, oh, you know, like, yeah, taking you the were summer there break. in the summer. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, the the summer, you know, like the, the, the entire team takes you know, some time off because, yeah, of you know, uh, people playing CTFs every weekend, you need some time off every once in a while. There's a, uh, or at least there used to be a summer drought anyways, you know, in the run up to DEF CON right, several months yep. with no CTFs. Not so much anymore with how many CTFs there are. But... These days there are way too many CTFs. Uh, I, I give the... my students in my undergrad class extra credit every weekend that they play a CTF. And, uh, it's insane. Every uh, class, I say, okay, and these are the CTF this weekend. There's like six. How is that? It's so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Back in my day. Exactly. <laughs> like two, CTF I, every month, maybe. Maybe. If you were lucky. Yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah. like when I first started, it was maybe three, four a year, including counting DEFCON, DEFCON Quals as two separate <laughs> ones. Ah, maybe a little more. Yeah. Maybe you're right. Like six or seven. Also, yeah, it depends if you start scraping the... Yeah, the the weird ones where you have to Google Translate everything. But yeah. that was that was great. Yeah. Uh, my first time playing Secu inside, it was incredible. It was like <laughs> Google Translate CTF. Oh man. Anyways, Jay, sorry to interrupt you. Uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Uh, All right. I think we're, we're we're getting at what it feels like to join kind of this uh, long running team. You know what what are the the challenges and yeah, so uh, as Tim mentioned, like there were a lot of people who, you know, their reputation preceded them. Uh, you know, like I knew of them probably by their handle, didn't know, you know, their real name or, you know, like even if I knew their real name, I hadn't met them in person. So uh, finally piecing it all together when we met up, uh, you know, for Plaid or for DEF CON, I can't recall which. Uh, so that was... Uh, fun nice experience and like it actually showed me again as tim said you know why these people are who they are uh you know how they got there in some sense uh a large part of it uh you know was just like these are people who are willing to spend a large chunk of time and actually if i if i recall correctly i think i met tyler right before i finished my internship uh, we we met up for like an hour or something. He, he was just in town, uh, and the discussion not, not we had uh, then watching the the video feed but listening to audio. Tyler shrugged, so maybe maybe you guys met, but it wasn't such a strong impression. You know? <laughs> right, it might not have been, uh, but it was just for a really short time because yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we literally had a day or something in common and uh, whatever. Uh, I think and, I have an yeah, the, effect the, for this, but. We'll skip that for now. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think the discussion was just, like, you know, like, practice, right? Like, I had I had asked the question, you know, how did, uh, you know, all of these people, including Tyler, 
get to where they are. And the answer was practice. And uh, now that I've been in PPP for so long, uh, I have the same answer, you know, practice. And uh, it's, it's kind of nice how, you know, like what was an answer that was harder to believe where, you know, like, oh, these are these super talented gods who just got there as is. Uh, and, you know, slowly over time, you can build up the knowledge, the practice, the, the, the talent. Uh, that was an interesting journey. Yeah, I think the, the thing that really distinguished them was just it was clear that they really loved CTF a lot. And they had been in love with CTFs for years and had played so many of them that, like, you just learn so much by doing that. And um, I, yeah, I think that that was kind of inspiring to see because it, you know, it helped motivate me to want to get to that point. Yep, live and breathe CTFs, right? Yeah. Yeah, th that, that's uh, an interesting... Um, so there's a, I, I almost feel like there's a double-edged sword that can happen, right? Because I've also seen um, people show up and they're good and then they participate in a CTF that the team does quite well at, then they're like, yeah, but it wasn't my contribution. It was these hacking gods that pushed us through. Um, do you find that at all? Like, did you, did you have to overcome this imposter syndrome? Yeah, I definitely did. Um, I, I think, like, like I was saying earlier, I think Seesaw was the best opportunity for that because you, you were forced to play separately from them. And so it kind of, brought me back to what playing Pico CTF was like, where you were all on your own and like, you had to learn how to solve this or you're not going to solve it. Um, but then after the fact, you could talk to all of these like amazing CTF players about how they did it and you would, you would learn from them. So I think that was huge. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. Oh, the imposter syndrome is definitely a thing we have to fight with for, uh, you know, in, including beginners who join you know, for example, this year, uh, you know, the, uh, when they are playing a CTF, uh, never is a CTF, you know, just one person playing. I mean, there are exceptions, but, uh, you know, it's, it's usually a team effort and uh, it's, it's difficult to distill out, you know, how much you had contributed. And sometimes you need to, you know, give these newcomers the, you know, uh, I can't think of the right word, but encouragement. Uh, you know, explain to them that they are learning along the way. That you know, it takes time. They were contributing. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's and I've I've seen. I mean, I'm sure this is why you asked it, Jan. I mean, I've seen the same thing in Shellfish when we yeah when the Pwn Devils. I took uh, five or six people to UCSB to play in uh, Hikon Quals. Uh, I think it was 2017 or something, or 2016. Anyways, the year doesn't matter. 2008. But... Yeah, see, it doesn't matter. But anyways, the, the point yeah. is that, like, you know, I brought this group there who now, uh, at least one of them's the captain of Shellfish, but at the time, they were very new. And so I was like, okay, guys, what problems are you working on? Because I was doing some web stuff. And they were like, well, we, we don't really, like, want to work on anything because, like, you know, Audrey and, and Jan are working on this problem. And I'm like, yeah, so what? Like, work on it too. And it ended up that they actually ended up solving it because the approach that everyone else was taking was too complicated and convoluted. And yep. and I'm like, if you don't try this, you'll never do it. And they actually ended up doing it and getting the flag. And I think that was a huge 
boost for them to realize yeah. like hey it's that was hitcon 2017 because yeah. we got second place because of that exactly nice yeah uh, we got oh man right at the end dragon sack there <laughs> but yeah without that we would have gotten like fifth or something it was very yeah, close this is how you can tell I guess we like CTFs too is we remember stupid stuff like that <laughs> yeah. the last yeah. minute I know uh, incredible oh, anyways oh that sucks yeah yeah um, yeah, yeah, yeah this uh, it, it's it's something that I think our students really had to overcome um slowly and painfully over a long period of time that was three years ago now i think they're they really have accepted that you know they're they're core standing and so forth but it it takes a long time um sam did you feel this way when you uh, first started i mean you you have a unique position of starting in the era of already you know the the, the origin of ppp is obscured and missed and legend you know they've they're they've been you know at the top of the scoreboard for close to a decade and then you start did you feel pressure did you feel you know like you didn't belong how, how did that feel as a fresh undergrad <laughs> yeah pretty much like at the beginning um i guess like uh for me uh like seesaw definitely helped it like was aimed at a lower level like uh undergrad only uh smaller teams so you had a chance to like work on all the problems uh, and I guess also, like, specializing in different categories uh, helps to, like, I guess, like, so you can focus on learning, like, one specific category instead of trying to learn everything all at once. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I, I think we have, like, another kind of takeaway emerging here, right? We had one takeaway that, that there's no real secret to getting awesome people. You get awesome people. Then um, Well, there could be. No they real... just could be not telling us, yeah. That's true. That's true. The, the public position. The <laughs> other public position is is there's no like super. No human sacrifices. Game. The cabal doesn't you know, exactly. murder an infant yeah. uh, to get a new good player. So no hyperstructure. You just get good people and you let them go and do awesome things. And and an interesting thing here is you know you have to keep in mind like uh, you have to have given opportunity and awesomely seesaw gives this opportunity for these new people to shine on their own maybe right? and, and I, come back with that confidence well, the, the thing that kind of is is coming out to me jan and maybe everyone can weigh in and see if i'm completely off base but it seems like you need to focus probably much more than people expect on people not necessarily technical skills Right. Like you talked about communication and working with the people and recruiting new people and selecting the right, you know, captains. And it's a lot of it's on people, not necessarily the technical side of things. That's a good point. Other than like this live CTF that you're talking about, you know, where one person do you find that the, the technical skills come from within? So, I mean, uh, go ahead. Tyler. Uh, I was going to say, I mean, I think, uh, you know, for example, like when I became captain, it was not because I was the best at mm -hmm. CTFs on the team because I was not. It was probably because you know I have, like, I'm I'm more comfortable talking and doing people management stuff. Um, and you know we had, uh, like other people at the same time who again were were much better at CTFs than I am. Um, but you know there's a big difference between they can go off and solve a problem, and We'll see. Um, okay. yeah, there's a big difference between they can uh, go off and solve a problem and they can like 
make sure that everyone's being productive and like people are stepping on each other's feet and all that. Um, and, you know, I really think like, you know, maintaining the team, making sure everyone's happy and doing good things. I mean, that's, it's, yeah, it's a lot more like you know, people management skills than, than anything else. I mean, obviously there's like your, your team needs technical skills or else you're not going to do well as a team. You can't just be very happy people and, and do well. But, um, yeah. you know, I think as long as like, I think most teams these days probably have a lot of really great people and, you know, they just need to again, practice and kind of realize their potential or whatever. Um, and then there'll be a good CTF team or better CTF team. I, I agree with, with all of that. And I guess also, I think, like, so we, we would run some sort of like study session or like lecture type things sometimes where we would like teach skills about like binary exploitation or reverse engineering or some specific topic. But I, I don't really think that that is like one of the keys to PVP success. I think it's much more about getting people excited and getting them to love CTF because I think you, you learn most of the skills in CTFs just by being self-motivated to solve problems and learn them. So I think, yeah, keeping, keeping people excited about CTFs and getting new people like to experience the thrill of them is really more important. Yeah. And then as long as they are motivated to keep going through CTFs, they pick up those skills, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think this is something that, that we've had to, we accidentally fought back against on, um, <laughs> just because of, pure incompetence or being too overwhelmed is like I, I i when i started um i didn't realize what would be involved in being a professor and how much time you know you, you oh yeah that's a story for another for another day story for another podcast maybe but um the so the the pawn devils you know they're like all right jan you have a binary exploitation um seminar like where you come in and we will just do binary with opponent uh, meetings and so forth. And, and I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And then it just never happened. And for a while I was felt super guilty that I was, you know, letting the, them down and so forth. And, uh, but then they developed these skills on their own through playing CTF, you know? So, and I wonder Tim, if maybe at least I found as an educator, part of the benefit that comes from teaching those kinds of things is actually teaching yourself those things. <laughs> like, you know, you actually understand yeah. them at a deeper level than, so it's actually probably good for you in some sense. And, and I think it's, you know, a lot of, I think new people maybe don't know where they should go or don't even understand the lay of the land necessarily. So it, it maybe helps out those people, but then, yeah, there needs to be that part where they eventually go and learn on their own because there's no other substitute. Right. If you, if you had to put a percentage on it, right? Like how much of that percent is you teaching them versus how much of it is them being so excited to play CTF that they force themselves to learn it. I think I, I would probably go as far to say like 90% is, is on them. I think the only, the only part where like T like transferring skills really matters is at the very beginning when like mm. they need to learn like how to read assembly language or like just some like core skill to even get into a category of problem. I think that's really where like the education side of thing like plays a role. But then after that, I think it's almost entirely yeah. self-motivation. How do you, this is something I've 
How do you feel about um, how do you feel about tooling too, or like maybe workflow would be another way to think about that? Do you think that that compares or? I mean, I think I think there's a lot of stuff where we teach people like the basic tools, like you know when we would do like a study session thing, we would maybe go over like how to use either Ghidra or whatever just to get Binary Ninja, just to like get a get an idea of like what it's like and the basics because like. Those are super intimidating tools if you've never used them before. Um, but, you know, we don't have, like, uh, it's not like we have, like, special workflows or tools internally that, like, everyone has to use. And it's also, like, it's just kind of funny because, like, you know, a bunch of people will do their own thing and, like, it gets kind of annoying because it's like, oh, like, yeah, this is, like, my thing that uses phone tools for, like, Python 2.7. And you're like, what, you're still in Python 2.7? It's like, well, yeah, it didn't work with Python 3. And it's like, well, now it does. You should use this. And, like, I'm not going to do that. It's the middle of CTF. Like, give me a break. And it's like, all right, yeah, whatever. And, and actually, we, like a lot we, of like... we, we had this, uh, there was a rant that Jay maybe went on about this exact thing in our uh, <laughs> Ropship AI discussion. Oh, I'm doing Python 3. It's, it's all <laughs> yeah. lifelong yeah. struggle. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, again, exactly. We don't really have any sort of like prescribed workflows or anything. It's whatever people have organically learned for themselves, you know, figured out on their own. The basics, of course, you can teach. But a large chunk of these skills, uh, I don't even know if they're really teachable. Right, there a lot of them uh, we have learned ourselves, and we may not even know how to explain. Yeah. Like, sure, there, there is the portion as you know, uh, someone who likes to teach. Uh, I enjoy trying to find ways to teach things, but uh, some of these things are just oh, you tried it out for a few times. This, uh, you know, you, you tried it on a few CPFs, and now you're comfortable with this yeah. way of doing things i absolutely absolutely agree with you I, the way i phrase it often is um security security can be learned but i don't know if it can be taught right um yeah it's interesting to think about i mean jan we know a um, cognitive psychologist who is telling us basically a story <laughs> where they studied um people who are very experienced firefighters to try to understand what signals, because there'd be a, a certain moment where they would just like leave a building and be like, we've got to get out of here. And, and then the building would collapse like afterwards. And so they wanted to try to understand, cause it's exactly this thing. If you ask them, they would just say, I don't know. I just know we need to like leave right now. And so by, you know, studying them, what they ended up finding was the signal they were using was the heat coming up from the floor. So if they felt heat on the, like the lower part of their body, they, I guess, connected that somehow naturally to, oh, that means fires in the structure of this building and it's going to collapse and we need to get out, which is different than if you feel heat rating from different directions. So, yeah, I think there's maybe, you know, maybe a cool opportunity for future researchers would be studying these types of things to think about what kind of things can we maybe, maybe study and teach. And, yeah. and I think it's, yeah, you got to, in some sense, it's about mindset, right? You want to be able to, somebody, you either need to teach or they need to adopt that kind of security adversarial mindset to problem solving. Um, if they can't do that, it's not going to be not going to be successful. Yeah, go ahead, Jan. Yeah, my, my approach to this and then, I mean, we've talked about it on several episodes, but just kind of a quick data point is to create my, my undergrad security course. What's it, the name of that? 
The name of it is Pwn College. Oh, okay. Um, that, that's actually okay, a, a URL. I have bets going with people of how many times and how many episodes you'll mention it. So. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's very relevant because the, the, our idea was you teach someone the basics, maybe the basics plus in lecture, and then you force them to learn through you know dozens of, of challenges that slowly get harder and introduce new concepts. Um, it'll be interesting to see kind of longer term what effects that has. Maybe that's a, a, the right way of kind of training up so people can approach ETF. I don't know. Um, I mean, the, the, the fascinating thing to me is that it doesn't sound like, you know, another uh, confusion that, that kind of floats around these myths and legends about PVP is uh, PVP sits down and they have an, you know, AI hyper thing that analyzes a CTF challenge and like, you know, so forth. Uh, I, I've heard this uh, quite a bit. I've heard it about other top teams, actually. It's, you know, it's, it's not, it's not unique to just, you know, one team. It's like, well, these are the top hackers. So they must have some insane secret sauce. They, they like have, you know, uh, mayhem and it solves all the, the CTF challenges or, or something along these lines, but it doesn't sound like it. Yeah. I think like, I mean, it was always really funny, especially when, uh, like, we were working on some of those, like, trying to, like, for, like, day job, trying to work on Mayhem or something. And everyone's like, oh, you just use that for all your CTF stuff. And it's like, I really wish, like, that was that was how it worked. Yeah, that um, was even remotely possible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's just, like, technically, like, it's just a big gap, especially with the way CTF challenges are designed. But I think a lot of the stuff, like Jay was saying, especially... Um, you know, where it's, it's the things that you don't really uh, kind of explicitly, can't really explicitly pin down, um, where it's like, if you go to like the top CTF players and you give them a challenge, you'll see instantly, you know, they hone in on like, oh, well, like the bug's probably going to be here because like it's this sort of thing. Or like, you know, if you're looking at disassembly and you, you've ex- very experienced, you'll like look at a thing and be like, there's not a bug in that function. And, um, um, yeah, like there's not a bug in that function. You're like, well, what does the function do? How do you know that? And it's just like, well, uh, just look at it. Like there's no bug there. Um, and you know, like you, you eventually build up the intuition. Um, but I think, you know, the people who are like crazy good and, and solve stuff really fast, it's, it's not because of tools. It's because of, you know, stuff like that, where you've kind of trained intuition for exactly where to where to look at problems and stuff like that. And the only way to do that is just by solving a crap load of CTF challenges. I lost audio for a second, so maybe I'm about to repeat something that you've already said. But I mean, I think a good example is like the Lisp machine, you know, like <laughs> stuff like insane challenges. Where it's like... Is that what? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, cr- crazy challenges that really... Or actually, so I had a kind of a different take on that. Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing maybe tyler and the rest Uh, in the sense of like obviously developing intuition for where bugs exist in software and developing intuition for understanding software is probably a good general skill i guess where do you see that line switching over from uh, more intuition on the ctf side of things right because ctf is a game and that's what i try to tell new people too is you develop an intuition of where bugs likely are because it's a ctf challenge i mean i think uh so I think anyone who's at the point where they're building up this CTF style intuition is probably 
at a good point overall. Like, you know, if they switch, you know, if they leave the CTF field, which they should never do, but if they leave CTF at that point and go into kind of more normal security, uh, I think, you know, they'll, they're going to do great. Um, but, you know, those, those CTF heuristics and intuition things, I think a lot of them are CTF specific. Um, I think some of the stuff like, again, going through disassembly and quickly deciding if something's interesting or not, you know, something like that, I think is generally applicable. Um, but stuff like, okay, I was given this menu, whatever challenge, oh, the name might be a pun on this thing, or like, you know, they didn't have this, or like, oh, their heap allocator looks custom, so it's going to be a stupid heap allocator bug, and like, they have this, like, primitive in the thing, so it's going to be just like, you know, that's, that's a little CTF specific. Um, but, uh, yeah, well, that's my opinion. I don't know what other people think. One of the other things CTFs kind of teach you is uh, the, the time frame limitation. Uh, the, you have 48 hours for the CTF. The authors hopefully have tested it to be solvable within 48 hours. And thus, you have this time constraint, which you know uh, makes them easier to solve, I would say, just because mentally you don't have this block of maybe it's not solvable. And when you're looking at a real world, you know, uh, you know, like some actual software for uh, zero day, which you know people, millions of people across the world are using, uh, suddenly it feels harder because you know, like surely there isn't a bug, uh, you know, that could be found that easily. And uh, personally, it was a huge mental breakthrough uh, when I realized that the skills I knew for CTFs kind of just translate over other than the fact that you know like no one's designed for the bug hopefully to be in there uh, and uh, you know, realizing that bugs always exist then brings back that mentality of the CTF where you know, you're now willing to spend 48 hours or you know like an entire month staring at source code to try to find a bug so th th this is actually kind of shakes loose something in, in my head. Um, uh, uh oh, yeah, uh, looser than it already is. Um, you, you, so going from CTF, right, specific challenges to, to real world um, security. Um, and obviously there are CTFs that are like, you know, real world CTF, but even those are, you know, kind of halfway there. Um, one path forward I've been um, thinking about from something like Pwn College, there's another mention, um, is um, to have a class um, where over the course of a semester, students choose a real world target, find a bug in it, maybe in groups, maybe alone, exploit the bug, submit that, uh, responsibly disclose, and then, um, you know, graduate with a CVE from a course. Um, and, and at first I, I, I would have the, kind of the similar mindset. Yeah, but it's real world. Like how would this really translate? And then for me, it actually wasn't CTF. It was all the, the research we do here, um, where we had a, a, we have a project coming out, um, a paper coming out in, in February where we just wrote basically a, a, a clever, but fairly simple fuzzer and, and boom, you know, 60 bugs in Acrobat reader or something. Right. Um, uh, 
so it's 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 I think the the key takeaway there is that actually it's almost the opposite. A CTF ROM will have one bug. A real world software is going to be riddled with bugs everywhere. It's just people haven't looked in the right way or, or something along those lines, right? Um, yeah, I, I I don't know where I was going with there in terms of discussion, but I guess part of it is um, actually a couple of, of different touch points. One is you mentioned PPP started out in part in a research lab, right? Uh, large part PhD students. Do you feel that that research experience um, in terms of, I guess they were researching presumably large scale cybersecurity approaches, finding, you know, binary analysis and so forth. Did that help um, the team's understanding of uh, an approach to either? That's a hard question. I don't know. I mean, I, I you know, I don't think, uh, you know, it's not like anyone was like, okay, well we can like use our understanding of directionless weakest preconditions to help exploit the, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of a, I don't think there's a direct transfer for a lot of this stuff because uh, I, I think a lot of it's more like uh, uh, it's I'm trying to think of a good way of putting this. It's kind of like uh, it's a fun way to, blow off steam or like exercise slightly different muscles where it's like, you know, if you only exercise like your I'm, I don't know. Cross training, I think is the term I don't for know, that. fitness, but like if, yeah, but it's like, you know, if you like, do like your biceps, you have to do like a try, you want to like balance stuff out and it's yeah. like, okay, like. Sports. Jesus. I have to be like. Sport. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't, but yeah, it's like, you know, you, you can't like exercise only one thing you have to like do kind of both yep. ways and it feels good to like oh yeah like i got this academia stuff and like we can you know do this great binary analysis but then it's like okay and now like how do we exploit rop again and it's like you know it's kind of like different like to be a well-rounded person and to like have uh to be satisfied in life you need a little bit of that yeah that makes sense actually Jan, i do have an example personally so I can say that, like, uh, you know, I think doing CTFs honed your ability to analyze many types of things for vulnerabilities, right? Whether it's software or specification or something. And so that's kind of how um, the way we eventually uh, kind of discovered or categorized uh, execution after redirect vulnerabilities is Giovanni told me right before his grad class, like, hey, I've, we found this really weird bug in Vika's uh, research on logic flaws. It was like had to do with redirection or something. Uh, I don't know. He just offhandedly mentioned it. And so I started looking at how in Ruby on Rails, how you do redirection. And then I realized like, oh, but it actually doesn't, when you call redirect, it doesn't uh, stop the control flow. So you can very easily just call this redirect function and then have other stuff after the fact. So you do your auth check and then you redirect in that auth function. And then little to you, known to you, it actually like falls through and continues executing. And so I was like, I wonder, could this actually even be a bug? Like, would anybody ever do this? So I like, you know, uh, crawled or like Googled for stuff on uh, GitHub and found some things. And then we turned it into a research project to create a tool to automatically find it. And yeah, it was, and I, I know for a fact, if I didn't have that security and that CTF, well, the security, of course, but the CTF background specifically, like there's no way I would have like connected those dots and kind of put that together like, a, oh, but developers will misunderstand this because they don't understand that it does this thing. And in these cases, it can cause problems. So, um, 
yeah, I think that's right. But one thing, one thing that comes up there is you know noticing something and then pulling on that thread, diving down that rabbit hole, and that is something both researchers and CTFers love to do. And you'll you'll notice that both are you know kinds of people who love to dive into details, uh, who are willing to go to you know, depths of understanding something that others would consider you know worthless. And it's when you dive that deep that you find, you know, really beautiful, magical stuff. And, uh, yeah, so in that sense, yes, there is some, you know, transfer over between academia and CTFs. But uh, nothing uh, all that direct. Uh, you guys probably have more direct stuff than we've noticed in PvP. Um... It's 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 tricky, right? I mean, I, I often get students, especially because I, I emphasize CTF so much in my in my um, class. Like, yeah, but but you know, what's the point, right? So, ho hopefully, maybe stuff like real world CTF is is one answer. Um, I'll be maybe we should have another podcast episode in a semester, see how this experiment went. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I think uh, one of the other interesting things about kind of watching PPP grow up or whatever yeah. is watching all the, you know, like we have uh, like people like uh, Ned Williamson or Richard Zhu or, you know, all these other, like, it's like, okay, I remember when they started and they had like imposter syndrome like everyone else and was like, oh, like, I don't know if I'm going to be so good at this. And then they're like, when owned to own or like, I mean, or Tim's another good example where he's got like, you know, some public stuff on like Chromebugs, J, J2. I mean, it's just like all these people where it's like, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure they could have gotten there without CTFs, but, you know, I think the CTFs helped a lot. Yeah. I think you did yeah, I mean, definitely see a pattern. pattern. Yeah. I mean, CTFers then, you know, yeah. moving into. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where it's order. like, okay, if like this happened to one person, then it's like, okay. Anecdote, but you know, plural of anecdotes, data, blah blah blah. Like we've seen it happen enough times that it's like, you know, and just uh, so many people from our team that are now kind of in the real world doing real security stuff. It's like, I, yeah, at least some correlation. Yeah, <laughs> I've uh, tried to make the argument, but the the data set's not big enough, like you said. But I've tried to make the argument that. CTF is highly CTF in grad school is highly correlated with becoming a professor. Um, but it's, it's, it's a lot of confounding factors as well. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, I think like uh, um, what is their team, Richard and Amat? Uh, Fluorosity. Fluorosity. Yeah. 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 yeah Amat, exactly. But, yeah, right? Amat, like, they're a great example, yeah. right? They're two CTFers, uh, boom, and like winning doing an yeah. incredible stuff yeah yep. right um it a really interesting thing right like ppp and shellfish are they the romeo and juliet of the ctf scene <laughs> no maybe without the tragic ending somewhere. unless the there tesla cool and actually so i think the one thing we haven't talked about yet in terms of ppp history that uh you know i'm super interested to learn about and know about is winning so you know, Tyler, you were there at the beginning, so 
I don't know, when did you first feel like PPP made it or for whatever terms like that? Like how was, how were those early years? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot, I, like there's just so much kind of interesting stuff that it's like seared in my mind because it was kind of exciting at the time. But yeah, I mean, I remember like our first, um, it's like our first seesaw, you know, we went in person um, and it was weird. They didn't have a, like it was Jeopardy style in the sense that there were a few, like it wasn't attack defense. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't a scoreboard, um, so it's like you go and there's like a giant text box, and you write like you you can like put in a flag or something if you got a flag. But some of them like you didn't get a flag. Like one of them was like write a shell code for like Super H uh, or something that does such and such a thing, and then you submit the shell code, and then. Uh, like a few hours later, they like judge it or something um, and like, they'll get back to you. So like, we had no idea how we were doing and, you know, they announced, we, we it's like it ended and we had no idea because this was our first in-person CTF. Um, RPI is like the, you know, they had been winning for forever or like, I guess two years or something felt like forever because like everyone knew them and they were like the, the, you know, that guy blonde kid and karate kid or whatever before we were the blonde kid and karate kid. Um, and then it's like, uh, you know, it's like they're announcing the scores and like they announced third and it wasn't us. And we're like, well, okay, maybe we got second. Like, and then they announced RPI and we were like, wait, like that doesn't sound right. Because like, I don't think we did that well. Cause you know, like some of our stuff didn't like, we didn't finish everything. And they announced us and we're like, yes, like we can go back to CMU and David Brumley's not going to like kill us all um, <laughs> for having lost. And, uh, you know, that was super exciting. And then, you know, I think the next things after that was, uh, you know, we went to, uh, we qualified for Code Gate. So we got to go to Korea, which was like our first international cool. thing. So that was super cool. Um, and we got second, which was like, you know, we at least, uh, I think the third place team was um, uh, Intrepid's who was, you know, at least like a DEF CON regular. And, you know, they, they were like kind of not expecting us to have like come out of nowhere. Cause they were kind of like, you know, more old school people and, you know, they were super nice about it, but it was just like, you know, having beat someone who was like a kind of like, felt like a real team um, in the sense that like DEF CON is like the real, the real deal um, was super exciting. Um but then, yeah, it took us a while to get to qualify for DEF CON for various reasons. And then it took us a while to do well in DEF CON and all that. And, yeah, I mean, it's been a, yeah, I don't know when our first, like, felt like we made it thing was. I mean, it's kind of all incremental steps of, like, you know, winning Seesaw is great. Traveling internationally the first time, the first time we qualified for DEF CON, first time we won DEF CON. Right. And then... After that, it's kind of all downhill. Pretty, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but, yeah. but clearly you still love it because you didn't ride off into the sunset. You've been, you know, you're still there guiding and helping and playing. Not yet. Haven't ridden off the sunset yet. <laughs> no, you told people on this episode they can't. I was just thinking we need to make posters of Tyler saying CTF <laughs> needs you. And like, <laughs> I think that'd be great. Yeah. But like uh, in terms of uh, an approach, to CTF, I think we touched on this actually on the um, on the Rapture AI uh, podcast. Maybe like you know, 
uh, obviously it's not the hyper um, structured uh, you know this is your role you're gonna sit here and you're gonna look at every every packet and every PCAP until you know blah 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 or, or what you used to off. make me do man but like <laughs> this is what web people used to have to do at, during uh, DEFCON finals <laughs> exactly <laughs> I don't know look at PCAPs oh, drink or you can look at we'll see what PPP sending our way and maybe send it back I don't know <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, like, do you guys, uh, have like, I mean, normally you don't have a, a hyperstructure. Do you have like for DEF CON a hyperstructure? Is it just a, a vague idea of you're going to, you know, hit we definitely hard? have more of a structure at DEF CON. Um, I, mean, I think there's a lot of stuff where it's like, I think in general, uh, maybe this is my personal opinion, but. You know, especially when we started out, it's like everything, you know, we're playing for fun. And that's, I mean, it's the only way that you can possibly sustain playing that many CTFs for that long. Um, but especially for DEF CON, after winning it a few times, it's like we go there, like heads down, like we're going to, like, this, we got to win. Um, so it's still not, you know, we still try to keep things fairly uh flexible i guess like it's not but we'll we'll still have something where uh some people should kind of know if they're going to work on problem like certain problems or if they're going to be doing um you know like traffic analysis or something like that and kind of commit up front or at least like be more explicit about what problems you're working on uh because normally it's just very ad hoc where uh people's kind of step on each other's toes and we try to avoid that more at defcon um, yeah, I don't know what other people's experiences are. This part of this might be me being an old fart. No, I agree with that. I think DEFCON is the one time where we definitely like make more of an initiative or, to, you know, make more of an effort to make sure that every problem is being covered by enough people who like have expertise in that category. And we kind of like, you know, try to guide each other a little more on like, you should look at this if you can right now, because you know, we need to try to first blood this or something. Um, just because we, I feel like the stakes are so high at DEF CON. Like, it's the, definitely, I feel like it's when we get the most competitive. So. Gotta win all that money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I wish there was something we could do about that, but. <laughs> you know, if people dump, I, I'll tell you what, if people dump a wheelbarrow's full of money onto us, that will flow down into the DEF CON winners. <laughs> yeah, so down. Yeah, I would not do that. Trickle down CTFs, I love it. <laughs> cool yeah that 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 is interesting uh to hear i uh, so i guess you know it's it's also knowing when to be structured when to be right and we try to prevent too much structure and uh in terms of like the team size you know if you have too large of a team you require a lot more structure just for communication to flow freely which is why Typically at DEFCON finals, we have, uh, you know, some team size cap. Uh, it's it's slightly flexible, but, you know, we try to keep it at around a certain number to make it easier for information to flow, for things to be flexible, while still having enough redundancy uh, so that, you know, no one person has to stay up the entire time. Like someone should get some sleep. How do you decide who goes and who, uh, who has to sit out? Uh 
it's usually something about like you know who's played in the last year like you know are they are they active and again especially since uh so like there there are definitely some ctfs uh in the past where we'll say like you know it's not a big deal if we win this one and this person's active and maybe they don't like they're not the best player but we should send them because you know like they, they've been playing a lot and this will keep them motivated and they'll get better um for defcon we we do a little bit of that, but we try to make sure again, like we're, we're sending people who know what they're doing. Um, it is nice. You always leave a spot for David. Uh, he does not. Play. He'll show up. He does not play, unfortunately. Um, but uh, it is nice because compared to something like uh, like Codegate is just my go-to example, I guess, um, where it's like four people. It's nice because we can send you know, a large part of the team. So a lot of the people who like don't get to travel, get to go. Um, and it's also a good way for kind of the older members and the, the newer folks to like get to know each other in person instead of just the online chats. Um, yeah. We always called DEF CON like the shellfish family yeah. trip. Yeah, man. Like that time that we drove down to Vegas and we had two Suburbans, one Suburban, the AC was busted. We only found out by the time we hit LA from Santa Barbara <laughs> And so, like, four or five of us volunteered. I was driving that. And I'm like, okay, we'll just we'll push everyone else that we can in the other one, and some of us will be in this one. And so we just, I think at that point, had the we were going through, like, Palm Springs with the windows all rolled down, uh, blasting Lady Gaga, and just sweating our asses off the whole time. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> uh, cool. Okay, so I think we're getting close to the end here. Uh, maybe any favorite moment of... Your your personal favorite moment of PPP could be winning, could be playing, could be when they the cabal first named you captain. Uh, anybody have any thoughts? I mean, Tyler said his a little bit. I don't know if you'd want to change your answer. I like winning. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I guess I've been talking about it a lot, but I think some of my favorite moments were seesaw because it was always fun to, especially when we could send multiple teams. It was fun to have, like you know. A, a few of us, like, just undergrads, like, take a trip to New York and then, like, compete all out as hard as we could. And even though, like, we weren't yet, like, the top players on PPP, like, we had a an avenue to, like, try to be the best in something. And um, that, that was always the best part about um, undergrad PPP for me. It was Seesaw every year. Cool. Yeah, that, that that's a very... Um good point again like this mm -hmm. idea you have to give people a chance to shine mm -hmm. yeah so same you know win winning's fun winning's addictive uh but uh also like looking at how you know everyone's improved over time you know people who uh, have just joined uh you know a couple of years ago and you know i've seen how their skills have improved i've seen how my own skills have improved over the years and it's it's really amazing to see how much just time and practice, you know, people who are willing to, you know, put in the effort can can improve so much. Uh, it's really inspiring to see how much you know, people are willing to put in. Spoken like a future professor. <laughs> Sam, what about you? Uh, I guess like writing problems for five CTF. So like. Like, after you play all these ETFs, you get all these crazy ideas, and then you implement them and force other people to solve your problems. <laughs> it's a good feeling. 
Yes, we we understand. Yeah, it is always really <laughs> exciting when when your problem, like your baby, gets solved for the first time, and you get to talk to someone who solved it. That is fun. Yeah, that's yep. Yeah, good point. Cool. Anybody have anything they want to plug? Any uh, anybody hiring? Anybody want to plug a CTF? Plaid. Plaid. Plaid Pico. Play Plaid. Play play yeah. play play, 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 play Pico CTF. Yes. What are the dates of Pico this year? It's it it, it so, happened. So Pico Does Mini it... just happened. Yeah. Uh, that was the month of October, and uh, the main Pico is going to be you know spring of uh, twenty one. And same as, like, Plaid is also going to be spring of 21. Uh, not coinciding or not conflicting. Plaid is always, uh, I, I, since you guys were involved in quite a lot of Plaid CTFs and so forth, uh, the first Plaid CTF, um, I, I, I feel like I've told the story before, but I'll tell it again. Basically, uh, CTF used to be very different, right? You uh, open up a Poning 500 and it has ASLR on. Um, and you're like, oh, shoot, there's ASLR. And you, you go and you tell the organizers, uh, you know, do you know ASLR is on it? Oh, my God. We forgot the to first, disable ASLR. The first uh, seesaw that, that we played, that. the first uh, seesaw that we played that happened where they, they accidentally had like ASLR on or something. And I remember because Andrew solved it with ASLR yeah, and yeah, everyone yeah. was like, what? <laughs> like, and, how is that possible? Yeah, and I remember was, the first flat yeah, CTF. Actually, the first flat CTF, I stayed up for 48 hours straight. It was the longest I stayed up in my life. I woke up right before flat CTF started, drove to the lab, and I didn't leave until afterwards. And I drove home, which was a terrible idea because and that's just awful. But... Um, yeah, I did not sleep. I was I was doing the whole like you know when your brain just like turns Bro, off when you lose concentration something? for a second when you're super sleep deprived. That micro, was micro micro sleeps or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, but but and and the insane thing is I stayed productive all forty eight hours. I was solving things throughout the whole time. It was crazy. But that was um, it, it 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 stands out in my mind. Other than that insane thing. For being a CTF that that pulled no punches, I think like Pony Two Hundred had NX and ASLR, right? Like that that was very cool. Um, I think that was the first CTF where I saw like okay, you know everything is very very real. So yeah, yeah, cool. And thanks, uh, we really appreciate you guys coming on today. This was uh, super awesome, and it's always good to I think like. <laughs> Jan mentioned dispel myths and get to kind of uh, know each other and know the community more so that, you know, I think uh, if more and more people play CTS, I think that's the benefit to all of us, right? I think that the worst thing that could happen is if this like amazing tradition kind of dies out. So I appreciate uh, Tyler, you keeping the faith and uh, pushing it hard. I like that. And so, uh, yeah, thanks for everyone out there for listening and joining us today. I'm Adam D. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Dupay. Uh, he's Zardis. You can find him on Twitter at Zardis. Uh, together, we're CTF Radio. You can find us online on YouTube or Twitter at CTF Radio OOO. Uh, you can send us questions through email at ctfradio at gmail.com. And we may use your questions on a future episode. So take care and happy hacking. See you guys. <laughs>